You're listening to a Time Machine podcast. Old movie Time Machine. An adventure through time and or space. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Old Movie Time Machine. This is the show in which we use color films, motion picture films, you guys. Not just regular film, but film that it goes real fast and it looks like it gives the illusion of movement. Made in the old US of A, of course, between the years of 1945 and 1965. And we're using them as windows into the past. We open up the window of time. We crawl through the window and we explore the people and places beyond. And while we're on our adventure... We're going to be asking some critical questions, such as these people that we are exploring. Who are they? Who are these people? What are their habits? How are they treating each other? What decisions are they making and why? And inarguably the most important part, what are they wearing and what do their living rooms look like? And then at the end of the show, we climb back through the window to modern times and we ask the final vital ultimate question on behalf of all of humanity here in the early 21st century, which is, you guys, The World Beyond the Window, brought to us by this motion picture film. You want to keep it? You want to keep looking at this? Keep it on the shelf? Take it off? Put it in the player? Hit play? Uh, I don't know. You could could stream it if you wanted to. We're going to keep streaming this? That's a question we haven't asked yet, because that's the future, you guys. That's the present and the past, actually. It's all things streaming. Or do we just cast it aside? Just let it rot in the dustbin of time. We will find out. I'm your host, by the way, through time and or space, Justin Zeppa, joined as ever by my incredible, infallible panel of international experts at being human in the early 21st century and being feline in the early 21st century. And also the smartest people and animals that I know. Starting at my right, we're at her place again. Welcoming back the world into your house, Catherine Sherlock and Catherine's Cat Corner. Welcome, Catherine. Hello. So nice to have you. Nice to be here in my own home. Yes, again, again. (laughs) Thank you for letting yourself in. (laughs) Thanks for letting us in. That's the only way this happens. And to your right, you know him, you love him. He's our new uh, studio mascot at the moment. His name is Solon, and he's a cat, and he has his own chair, and he has triangular cat ear-shaped headphones, and they are adorable. Welcome, Solon. (laughs) Lovely to see you as ever. And to your right little paw there... You know her, you love her. Shrishma Nike is in Catherine's house. Welcome, Shrishma. Hi, what's up? Not much. Just doing the old intros, yeah. recording the show, and all that, and so on great. and so forth. And to your right, and also across the ocean, she's number one, folks, in my heart. Uh, she's my sister, and she's your sister, too. Carolyn Nowrose is with the program. Hey, sis. Hey there. You know what, guys? It's the start of the third month of this year, which means, yes, Trish Nike in the back, yes? I have a question about okay. the theme of this month. <laughs> yeah, can I, can I introduce it yes. and then come back to Okay, we are starting, again, it's the third month of the year. We're starting a new mini arc. We're going to call it, there's a variety of mm, ways we could phrase this. This time I'm going to call it the Noirs of March. March Noirs. Catherine, what do you think? 
Yeah. Yeah, All right. We are watching film noirs. Traditionally, of course, uh, black and white. Most of them, right? The Big Clock, things like this, Maltese Falcon, black and white, very moody, right? But on some of these films, we can go moody with three-strip Technicolor. And that's what we're doing today with 1953's Niagara. Now... Shrishma Naik, I will field yes. any questions you may have about the noirs of March. <laughs> what are the defining attributes of a noir film? Oh, okay. That's that's a great question. Um, typically, look, I'm going to give you my off. I think Carolyn knows. Oh, Carolyn's got it. Okay. <laughs> no, I was just kidding. Can I give you one of them? I was going to go off the dome, but Carolyn's got it. Of course she does. Yeah. What do you got, sis? Explain it to her. Well, you have to have some shady lighting. Like the lighting has to be like stark and someone has to be peering through some blinds at some point. There's, we got blind shadows in this movie, right? (laughs) Right. So that qualifies it. You Mm -hmm. you saw the blind shadows? Mm -hmm. They were intense. So that's just one hallmark. Go ahead. You can do the rest. It tends to be a thriller. It tends okay. to be suspenseful. Usually there's a plot, some kind of scheme. It's usually people of nebulous moral mm. character uh, caught in a lot of gray areas trying to figure things out for themselves, whether it's this marriage where I got to kill the missus or it's this bank I got to rob mm. or this guy I got to murder. You know, it's like it's all of these sort of darker things. And the, there's tradi- always like a Jack Webb kind of detective or private investigator or something that kind yeah, of Yeah, sometimes, sometimes of course there's know, always somebody hot in the heels. In there's this case it's starky. Mm. Yeah. You know? Uh but we will also see, yeah, the, the lighting is key. You know, it doesn't have to have a private detective in it, okay. but it helps. Okay. You know, there's usually something underground. Am I missing anything? Anybody feel like So there's all there's some kind of um Something's going down, like some 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 shady some shit. Shady is business, going shady down. shit is happening, and there's also actual shade, and, and um, right. it's a little yeah. on the darker side. And, yeah. and, and noir is and very moody. French for black, correct? Yeah. Am I making this yeah. up? I don't speak I French. Think it is. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah, some shady, dark shady right? shit. Dark, <laughs> right? Dark, right. dark. Shit. Fair. Now, in this case, I think explains half this movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in this case, we have actually a fairly uh, gloriously lit. Mm. Very colorful motion picture, but it has all these same attributes other than the black and whiteness. Right. And that's what we will be exploring today. Are you excited about this now that you've heard a little bit more? Sure. Do you want some other recommends? I mean, do you want, do you want I mean, to send me some other files? I mean, clearly we have four or? other more, four more for the month. Yeah, three right. More, so. For the noirs of March. <laughs> okay. So, Niagara. Let's do a real quick snap poll. Has anybody been to Niagara Falls? Yes. Okay. Wow. We okay. Uh, no. I've uh, been many uh, times. Catherine, experiences. Uh, any anything memorable from this? Are you like, yeah, it's a lot of water. I get it. Or is it like, oh, yeah, kitsch, I kitschy thought, I thought, fun? I th- yeah, I thought it was amazing. It was brilliant to go there. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I guess because I, I see these things from afar, and you don't ever expect to actually be there. Yeah. Um, and it's the kind of thing that you just see in films and it's almost like it doesn't exist in reality and then you're actually there and it's yeah. crazy. I find that when I'm going around, walking around New York, I turn yeah. a corner and I'm like, I'm in a film right. and it's like, this is mental. Right. It's fucking what, massive. What, everything is, yeah. Everything's crazy here. Yeah. Um, and I, it, you know, I'm like big buildings and things like that and these sort of like amazing sort of scenic 
uh, locations. Mm-hmm. I I almost cry when I physically find myself there. It's mm-hmm. very overwhelming. Okay. I did the same in Kuala Lumpur when I mm-hmm. stood in front of the Petronas Towers. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So your thumbs up on the falls then, like it's worth a look, you would yeah, say? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Carolyn, you've been many times? Mm-hmm. How yeah. many times? Why many times? So I've never been with you. Well, yeah, because you weren't with me. Um, <laughs> one of, because you want to know why? I was there for a dance convention. Oh, Chief Dance Officer Carol Narrows reporting for <laughs> right. duty. Right. So, um, of the many places I would travel in the Midwest region from basically like Chicago, anywhere in Michigan, Pittsburgh, upstate New York, um, mm-hmm. Niagara was one of those locations we would go to for specific dance conventions. Trishma, no, no falls for you? No, I've never been to the Niagara Falls. Okay. I, um, I just went last year okay. with Brindis, our, our fifth, who is currently at corporate headquarters. We get a lot of emails about like, where is she? What is she doing? Corporate she was in D.C. last year. in Niagara Falls? Corporate headquarters. <laughs> no, no, in Gadabaya. Uh, it's, okay. it's down. It's a neighborhood down south a little bit. Uh, but she, it's, it's um, annual report season. She's oh. the chief financial officer. So she's crunching the numbers, balancing mm. the books and everything. She is swamped. So, but we went there If sharp eared listeners will recall from old movie Almanac. We talked a lot about the the three sliding sports, bobsled, luge and skeleton. And we had to go to Canada to investigate and also see a mutual friend. Hi, Sam. And um, Uh, she couldn't believe that there was a Jamaican bobsled team. And she'd never watched Cool Running. She'd never seen Cool Running. <gasps> and I think deal? we need to fix that. That's a we were just track, right? watching it film. at my house like two nights ago. The kids put it on <laughs> and they're like watching Cool Runnings in the other room. And I'm like, you know, people, you know what you can't believe? Them Jamaica, they have a bobsled team. Got a bobsled team. team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I so mean, like, I was, and I, we were like, like $3 hooker. <laughs> we often also refer to the, and you're a badass mother who won't take no crap off of nobody. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So we open on shots of the Mighty Falls, just to, we're right into the Niagara, you guys. It's in the title, it's the first shot, and we get a lot of beautiful on location photography of this landmark, this natural landmark. And also, they are perfect rainbow shot. Pushing the rainbows <laughs> like nobody's business. And it's fantastic. If you got rainbows, natural rainbows, you want to put those on film, right? Mm-hmm. You want to put those in glorious Technicolor. So that's what we have here. Uh, so we see a man who turns out to be George Loomis kind of wandering around at the bottom of the falls in a place that I suspect maybe you're not supposed to be there. <laughs> and he's sort of musing to himself, thinking to himself about, you know, the waterfall and what it symbolizes and things of this nature. And we're getting a lot of rainbow shots and he just kind of like wanders around and then walks back up. And again, we see another rainbow here as he walks along this very sidewalk. I recognize like we walked right here, you guys. And this is all built up now over here, of course. Uh, But there is a like misty sprinklers here creating a, a rainbow that he kind of like steps around and we're wondering, what is this guy's deal? So this is George, and he heads back to, you know, he leaves one rainbow, and he goes right to another. It's called Rainbow Cabins, and it's I this. mean, but he came home to this. So. Well, and now we're looking at 
our star Marilyn Monroe lounging, doing, you know, we, we like to highlight different types of smoking one can do. Uh, we've in the past called this Lansbury bed smoking, reclined bed smoking, no less. But that movie came out after this one. So technically, as far as we know, it's a Marilyn Monroe reclined bed smoking. She is in her bed, uh, fully, is, fully made up, right? This is definitely smoking. smoking. She, it's smoking on so many levels. All the levels, I think. Mm. And she is just rolling around and we are here for it. And she's just smoking away, ashing right on the goddamn floor. Now, Marilyn, I don't want to be picky. I don't see an ashtray there, but I do see one right over here, right next to you, Marilyn. Mm. This isn't your house. Exactly why she's ashing on the floor. She's like, someone else is going to clean it up. Unbelievable. But Polly and Ray are going to be moving. Come on. That's true. I'm just saying, keep an eye on it, right? Right. Because she's not the only one. Missing the ashtray. I'm going to put it on Front Street. A lot of ashtrays in this movie. We will be counting them. So if you've missed the ashtray count, Lamhe, famously, zero ashtrays, right? Zero. This one, famously, all the ashtrays. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Brad Allen's apartment from Pillow Talk level right. amount of ashtrays in this cabin we're looking at right now. But this is Marilyn. She's playing a character named Rose, Rose Loomis, and she is smoking to beat the band, and she is lost in some kind of reverie just thinking about things. And as she's thinking about things, her we find out husband George arrives from his little detour at the bottom of the falls, and she hears this happening and rolls right over and starts playing sleepy time. And he comes in and he's like, Rose, Rose, are you sleeping? Are you awake? What's Rose? What's up? And she just fake sleeps right through it. But I did want to take a look at when I talk about mid-century vacation, this is a place that I'm thinking of. And this is specifically an up northish type of place. Now, Carolyn, I think it's a great point that you raise. We need to talk about the concept of up north. Catherine, what is your understanding of up north in the United States? Alaska. Okay. Interesting. Shrishma? <laughs> up north, like New York, New Jersey. Mm, interesting. Okay. Okay. But also Minnesota. <laughs> Warmer. Yes. The famous tri-state area of New York, New Jersey, and Minnesota. You got it. No, no, no. Uh it's not just a direction, you guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a state of mind. Right. All right, so. Like Texas is a state of mind. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Is that you guys do that down there too? Yeah. So if you, if you what, were in. What kind of state of mind do, well, do I ask? Yeah, right. It depends on if you're in Austin or not, I guess. <laughs> I'm assuming it involves beer. Uh, I mean, just being like, you know, those from Texas will tell you they're their own kind of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you won't find anyone else like a Texan. <laughs> That's what they say. That's what we're saying. That's what we're saying. So up north, let's talk about up northness. Now, I'm thinking now, Carolyn, correct me if I'm wrong. If you have a different impression, you let me know. You guys know what the United States looks like, right? Like the like the continental U.S. Let's let's divide it in the middle. If you go into the northeastern quadrant. Mm-hmm. And live in any of those states. So I'm talking Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, the big three. They are almost identical. Uh, this could go into also the wilds of Pennsylvania, New York State, and New England. You get up to Vermont, mm. Maine, or whatever. If you live in any of those states towards the bottom of that state, there is always a place up north. I know, quite literally. But it's 
there tends to be like a place like vacation land is up north for some reason. Maybe it's the lakes, it's the trees, the untapped resources. It's you know, leaving it's, it's the heat of, during the summer and going somewhere sure. cooler. Get out of the city heat. You know, right. we, we saw this in a uh, seven year itch. You right. know, people people flee for up north. And so the up north that Carolyn and I grew up with is Michigan up north. This this cabin we're looking at would fit right in, even though this is Canada and uh, New York. Wait, is, is Niagara New York? It's is both. It Pennsylvania. No. Is New York? Yeah, it's, it's New York State. Okay, yeah, okay. It Sorry, is. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, George and Rose. She's fake sleeping when he comes in. Uh, there's some kind of issue between these two. Uh, can I just also point out the lipstick? Right. Now, if I did that, yeah. uh, there would just be lipstick all over the place. I would look like I was in a, a cure video or something. Yes. You know? As far as like just rolling around in bed, that kind of thing. Yeah, and, I mean, it was just like how it does it. How does it stay so perfect? That's not yeah. that's not feasible. And it would end up. I There's mean, no no universe where that's feasible. I don't know if you guys have this, but like sometimes I'll sleep, I'll sleep really hard into the pillow, where it's just like I'm pressing my face into the pillow, and she has, um, you know, a sort of off white linen set here. I just feel like it would be covered in. Yeah, it just it would just be all over the goddamn place. So you don't think these lips are natural? <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. Uh, again, there's that ashtray. Marilyn, you could have easily just, just switch hands, man. And just uh, yeah, ashes all over the carpet for the Cutler Maybe family. she was making Fires a point. Started. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There is, in fact, a song called Don't Smoke in Bed. And it rings true. Anyway. Oh, yeah. And then plus, here are our blinds signaling that this is film noir. So, we'll be seeing Lots more of, of shade that. in this room also. Yes. Shadow. Yes, it's kind of mysterious. Mm. Not a lot of music at this point either. It's a very quiet they film saved for it for later. Yeah, they did. So, then we meet the other couple, the Cutlers. Mr. and Mrs. Ray Cutler, and it took me quite some time to figure because that's how he introduces them to right. the the border guard, and it took me a minute uh, or maybe 20 to figure out that, oh, Polly, her name is Polly when she finally introduces herself. It's like, oh, you are not just Mrs. Ray Cutler. Good for you. You have your own first name. Anyway, they arrive at the border, and through their uh, traditional border interrogation, we learn that they are honeymooners. He is from Toledo, Ohio, and I got to tell you guys, he is the most Toledo Ohioan I have ever mm. seen. I mean, his wide-eyed enthusiasm for all things that are not Ohio is breathtaking. Um, what did you think of Ray Cutler? Honestly, um, I kept getting the two men confused as usual. Okay, okay. I don't know. Like, I know their faces were quite different, yeah. but I don't know. I just kept conf getting confused who was. Okay. Uh, but he was well, okay. And again, Once I figured it out. Especially when you bring in the third-party... Uh, Inspector Starkey mm -hmm. or Detective Starkey or whatever his name is, and yet another gray man in a gray suit. It's, it does start to catch up a little bit. Uh, Ray Cutler was like, "Oh, was, uh, he's like the blonde one." Okay, I get it. He's he's a little more. He smiles <laughs> he more. He says things. Very annoying. You found him annoying. Very very annoying, especially when he was trying to shut his wife up uh, and well, not listening to he her. He goes off the rails. Yes, and uh, he. he Literally force-fed her water at one point. I don't mm -hmm. know how she just, yeah. just slapped that out of his hand yeah. and knee him in the nuts. Um, well, she's his wife, so she that doesn't... And also, <laughs> didn't you also find like his like 
suits, the way they were cut. They had such enormous shoulder, shoulder pads. They were massive. Yes. It made his head look like a pin. Oh, see, I thought he had a big head. Yeah. But the jacket is huge. He's swimming in that jacket. It's a very... It's much more I associate that with mid to late 40s than 53. But, I, you know, it's a spectrum, you guys. So maybe it was his dad's jacket he, mm. bar- he borrowed for his honeymoon. But they are here. They're excited to hang out at, at Niagara Falls. And they roll up to the rainbow cabins as well. Rainbows, you guys. I think, um, obviously, well, <laughs> the rainbow connotation is very different in the 1950s. I guess if you had a rainbow cabin now, yeah, yeah, yes, it would mean something very different. Carolyn, did you have something? Um, yeah, I was just gonna say. I mean, I think I, I'm I'm guessing this film is capturing the fact that at some point in the history of the United States, that Niagara Falls is like a big honeymoon destination. <laughs> That's true. well, it's it's kind of it has that reputation, right? Right, which is so maybe, weird. Maybe not so much anymore, but uh, like at the what's same the, time Jim and Pam at the office, they got married right. in Niagara Falls. But so. what is um what's the location in, is it Gretna Green where people would like go to to get married, Catherine? In Scotland, yeah. yeah. Because the laws were different or something, right? Uh, yeah, you you didn't need the bands read or something. Uh, you didn't have to jump through the normal hoops. Okay. Which okay. is kind of always what I don't know. I feel like a classic thing. Like we got married in Las Vegas and then went to Niagara Falls. On our yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Vegas uh, Elvis wedding at the right. Chapel of Love, and then you right. go. Yeah, sure. Like maybe it's Chapel of Love. Maybe it's not a first marriage. Maybe it's a second marriage. Like I don't know. Mm, hmm. Hmm. So the Cutlers arrive at Rainbow Cabins. They talk to the cabin keeper, this very happy man. He He's happy in his work. He loves running Rainbow Cabins. He's very enthusiastic about it. And they have, because it's he's honey- bringing young couples happiness. He's into it. He loves it. Now, I took this shot because, of course, you know I love the soft drinks cooler in the background there. Just Do you think he's into it because he's got cameras in all the rooms? I think if holes? this was today, definitely. Yeah, he was a bit <laughs> creepy to me. And maybe a bit too <laughs> nice. Creepy motel owner. So? He just seems so so basic though. Like I'm just sitting on my porch and just reading my newspaper next to my soft drinks cooler, and mm-hmm. I, I, no, I, I next to you your room later. He's no, no, content no, no. with life. Seems very content. I'm not. No, I, th- I, th- I think he's very interested in the stains when you know he cleans up. Uh, oh, Catherine, what? why? <laughs> that's Sorry. Why? that's exactly what I'm saying. Mm. No, I I, I think you know? look I. And he's he's a man, so That's of course his hobby. he's gonna be you know he's gonna retire to his own quarters. Mm-hmm. Uh, crack one out, <laughs> whatever. Uh, it's Thinking just, about the newly Mrs. Minted Mrs. So and So. Let's talk about Polly Cutler if we could for a minute. This is Jean Peters. Remember last week we weren't oh. sure if it was a man or a woman. Oh, she a woman. She is. Uh, she's real cute, right? So apart from Marilyn Monroe, yeah. are any of the other actors like well known? Yes. Yeah, so I remember uh, I also referenced last week Joseph Cotton, mm. who plays George. Mm-hmm. Now he is a very well known actor. Actually, he comes from the Orson Welles Mercury Theater stable. So from way back in the War of the Worlds radio okay. scare of thirty eight days, and he was in. He features very prominently in Citizen Kane, Magnificent Ambersons. And Touch of Evil, The Third Man, like all of the Kane or uh, the the Wells classics, in addition to many other films that you've probably heard of. He is a very well known actor, 
very good actor, and I think he's good as George here as well. So he is a name, but it's never like leading man. Mm. You know, he's not reaching Cary Grant levels or anything like that. But he he's very good in this this role. He's a good good casting choice. Okay. Otherwise, I'm not seeing anybody that I recognize, Catherine. Mm. No, okay. So I don't even the recognize ish- that guy. <laughs> this guy right here, Mr. Staines. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I'm chip sorry. stains of uh, like, rainbow cabins. Y'all, y'all leave this old man living his life, right? Come on, he's just <laughs> living his life, just renting out rooms to people. Look, he's cracking one out a day. Okay, I, that's th- normal. Take that as that exactly normal human behavior. Exactly, and he's doing it in the privacy of his own cabin. Yes, he's thinking about Gene Peters. That or doesn't Marilyn mean, Monroe, and probably probably both. Who well, isn't? Marilyn's I mean, been there for a while, yeah. so I think he's like he's fresh. over it now. Do you get over that though? Sometimes you take a break. Maybe maybe you just you cycle, right? Oh, sure. Well, I, hey, I don't know. I don't know what people do. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> Catherine, you took us to this place. Uh, I mean, I do not think he's a stain sniffer. I want to be on record saying that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I the didn't one that say sniffer. I, I just said I think he has an interest. He's interest. Oh, okay. Maybe he's a collector. I he's personally think he's like scrapbook. taking Kodak films from corners of these rooms and and watching them yeah, later. Yeah, he, he's playing playing sweet, but he no. You guys feel like if blacklight technology existed in this day and age, Jesus, he would Ooh, not. He not all over be all He would hold stock. Place. He would be invested in it. He'd be using it, and he would be gravitating towards. The many things he finds. That's what you guys are saying. Mm-hmm. I think he's a normal I, I'm man. I'm on your side. I okay, Trishman and I believe that he know. is. Look, he's he's a human being. He is a sexual being. Respect it. Okay. That this yeah, no problem with that. Like I'm just Not saying. I, I mean, he has to sort those rooms out, right? And there was a point when he moved all of their belongings. He handled their belongings. Catherine, that's a great moved point. Moved it from one place to another. I'm so glad you brought without it up. Being asked, he, he, and I felt that was very invasive. He was literally going through their drawers. Polly comes in, and they have an actual human conversation, which is very nice. And we get some insight into his frustrations, his insecurities, and she treats him uh, like a human. And I think he appreciates it, and he feels comfortable, sort of opening up to her a little bit. He gets in to talk about his jealousy over over Rose, his wife, and he at one point ref- he understands what she is, who she is, what she's doing, what she's capable of, and then at this point also, listen, this is where we get into the ashtray count. This is a very key count of ashtrays. This is one of the things that we do on this program. It's a a responsibility. So let's talk ashtrays. We know that there is one next to the bed over here, right? We saw it earlier. She was not using it. Annoying. One ashtray. We know there's an ashtray here that he has now missed. Two ashtrays. These are two. How do you know it's not the other one that he moved? Mm, That he moved it over? I think because we see both at one point. Mm. I do want to check on this surface here. Oh, there it is. I there knew is it. I knew it. I knew it. Go back over next to the that other table. Next to the chair by the window. Oh, this one here? Mm-hmm. Is there maybe an ashtray? This right? looks like magazines, but what is this? Shadow. Uh, oh, it is a shadow. Now, That's right. I will l- say I believe curtains. on either side of Marilyn's bed there was 
that first shot of her, we could see the opposite single bed. Mm-hmm. And she should have used the, the table if you were laying in the bed mm-hmm. on her right side. And then in a different shot, there was also an ashtray on her left side on the on the table, the bedside yep. table between the two beds. That's the, see, that's the one I was referring to. So you saw another ashtray on her right hand side. Yeah, the one yeah. that the There's direction she was ashtray. ashing onto the floor in. That's outrageous. Yes. I'm even more outraged than ever. Okay, ashtray number three. This is the model <laughs> table ashtray. Okay, now I know you're going to ask the question like, how do we know this is not a floating ashtray from elsewhere? Well, we know that because there's another one over here. This is the one that he missed earlier. Now, I took this shot because it was the only, it was the clearest shot of, I watched this flat surface very carefully. I watched this like five times to get the right frame to see that this is the ashtray. Little did I know, I had a perfect view of it in a previous slide. Mm. But at this point, we are up to one, two, three, four, four ashtrays in this room. Mm. Four ashtrays. So, yeah, okay, bedside, model table, door side table. The one next to the model table. So, yes. So, two bedsides. One desk. Two bedsides. One model. And then another one. Oh, wait. No. Did he miss? Is this the one he missed? I'm so confused. No, it's okay. Yes. We are at four. That- four ashtrays is the count, right? One, two. No, I think you're at five. One, two, three, four. Oh, and then five on the model table. Okay, five yeah. ashtrays. We got it. Lock it in, okay? <laughs> Catherine, I'm so sorry. <laughs> this <laughs> this was a bit... I just Mystery to, uncovered. I just have a little list of, I the, saw of it. the ashtrays. I saw you going you know, through it, yeah. and I had to make sure that you checked each one off. Okay. I'm sorry I screwed you up. So, no, it's okay. It's okay. This is important. The pe- This is what people listen to the fucking program for, is to count ashtrays, right? How many are there? Five. Five is the answer currently. Six I if you want to count I the hope floor. One day I'm on an episode of Who Wants to Be a Billionaire? And like the question is, how many ashtrays? We're in cabin B. Right. In 1950s, Niagara. I'm like, I'm a billionaire, bitch. <laughs> Five. You know what the question is going to be? How many ashtrays are included in old movie time machines? <laughs> Boom room. Well, that's true. I mean, we do need the full Ashtray, count at some point. Hall of ashtrays. Somebody do that. Some listeners, sharp, sharp-eared listener, you do that. Listen to all the, the back catalog and, and count, do a, a full aggregate of how many ashtrays we've experienced. Hey, hey, everybody. Jay-Z here, bursting in, interrupting probably myself. I do an awful lot of talking on these episodes. Folks, I talked about it last week. I'll talk about it again this week. Don't Try to stop me. But please, we would love for you to take your little fingers, your delicate little fingers, and to push that five-star rating. Wherever you're listening to this right now, please, just give us a rating. I'm not even going to ask you for the review, just the rating. Five stars, baby. We can do it. We would love to have your five-star review. Uh, If you do, of course, you know you're going to enter our five-star Hall of Fame, which is a thing I just came up with right now. We'll figure out what that means. Uh, And also, uh, you know I'm going to thank you. Here's a little sneak preview. Here's how this is going to go. Hey, you. Five-star reviewer. Shh. Thank you. And now back to the show. Okay, so during this... uh, 
semi-sexy photo shoot that we have with Gene Peters here, Marilyn shows up and she is in a panic because she can't find George. So they call the police. And this is where we are introduced to, I guess we'll call him, I forget if he's a detective, inspector, Inspector Starkey, we'll call him. And we get a look at his desk. Uh, he certainly has glassware on there that would be suitable for smoking into. I'm not sure what this is. It's ink quills, I think. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. We do have an ashtray here. We also, he's a man who likes to rotate his, his briar. So he's got a little pipe stand there for whichever one, uh, suits his mood for the day. And he has a fascinating voice. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but didn't become clear to me until the very end when he does much more talking. Uh, and they're pursuing the boat and all this, but he has the weirdest. I can't even replicate the way he talks, but it's one of these bizarre, pro- presumably lost uh, dialects used in the in the U.S. at this point in history. But it is so strange. He doesn't say Morris when he's talking to the river patrol man. He says Morris, Mister Morris, but it's Morris. So. That's the kind of weirdness we're dealing with, people, if, mm. if you want the short version. So he gets called over to the English China short store, and they uh, he meets up with Rose and the Cutlers, and they explain the deal. And then they go through this whole routine of, you know, you, you saw the mudroom before, the, the cave mudroom where you change your clothes and you leave your shoes behind. Well, we have found... Your husband's shoes left behind here, but we can't we can't find your husband. He is gone. Sorry about that. But we've got a dragnet out. And also we found this body. Let's go to this weird old morgue. The mm. local morgue is just the most haunted of houses. It really is creepy. It's so bizarre. It, it looks like the, the the first floor there is sort of boarded up. <clears throat> it does look rather derelict, kind of like borderline condemned i guess that's maybe just how buildings look back then. <laughs> don't, I don't this is a weird place to put your your dead bodies i mean it's got gables and everything like why why yeah i mean it's kind of weird but maybe fitting you ever watch six feet under it has six feet under house vibes. yes it yeah. does it does yeah. um but <laughs> that's very true. creepier somehow anyway they go and they're gonna show rose the the body they found and they uncover the face. And we don't get to see it, but she sees it and she passes out and needs to be hospitalized. So she... Did, did anyone think this door set up was quite weird? This, this is exactly what I, I'm about to talk about. Like an actual door, then a bit of a gap and a swing, a saloon swing a s- door. A saloon door, absolutely. So this is, we're in the hospital now in her room and there is a regular... There's a regular door, right? Yeah, yeah, behind. Yeah. Yes, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there is this bizarre mid-rangey uh, saloon door that has like a brass panel that you push and presumably it swings back and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's just unusual to see anywhere outside of a saloon. I mean, the only other place you see this in modern society is, and this isn't even modern society, but modern society of like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, is when you would go to the video rental store and uh, they have the room with the dirty movies and there would be a saloon door that you would have to pass through. Okay. To, yeah. yeah. My only thought was like, I don't know why it wouldn't go all the way down to the top. Yeah, I'm not it's sure what like, Because the, the, lo- the louvers there are, are like mm. are potentially for observation because she's like obviously a bit mental. <laughs> 
Well, I guess uh, hot hot germs rise, maybe. So they weren't so worried about this gap. I, I, I don't know. It it doesn't make sense. If Very anybody strange. can let us know, partyline at oldmovietimemachine.com. There must have been some logic. There had to have been. Uh, but sh- it's the same thing as that machine that we've already called out with the numbers that's mm-hmm. in the hallway of hospitals. Like, what's going on there? Anyway, it's a very dirty hospital with saloon doors, and and she is uh, out there. there. She is just in a state of of she's. Uh, how would you describe it? She's just uh, hysteria, shocked into hysteria. Yeah, and so they are doing what all good hospitals will do, and just keeping her sedated, just, yeah. just feeding it's her a bunch of ahead. drugs. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile. Great news for uh, the Cutlers, but Cabin B is open <laughs> at this point. Uh, they, the old tenants have moved out. Uh, Mr. Soft Drinks has, moved without out, anybody's... One of them's dead, and, of, and in theory, and yeah. one the, of them's the other mental. Hyster- Lost their marbles yeah. at all. <laughs> and, and Mr. Soft Drinks has, without asking, touched all of their garments, and probably, let's assume, sniffed them, and moved them into this Cabin B. As she enters the cabin, she's sleeping. In she's sleeping. She oh, comes in, oh, okay, and I, okay. I think she's quite horrified about being in here. Yes, the expression on her face sort of says it all. And I think she's also doubly horrified that this this creepy man has touched all of their things. Yes, and kind of laid them all out uh, on one of the beds, and so she just kind of like she lays down on the other bed. Oh, I thought you were talking about George, but you're talking about Mr. Soft Drinks. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that yeah, it, it can't not be creepy. Unfortunately, that doesn't take away from him being a sexual being. Or does it? Does it add or subtract? Let us know. Partyline at oldmovietimemachine.com. Don't want to think about it. Okay. So, oh, the other big news, guys, the Ketterings are back. Mm. The Ketterings are in town and they are so excited. This is where we find out about the stuffing the turkey with shredded wheat and all that shit. Anyway, yes, she's horrified about being here, but does manage to tuck in. And outside in the yard, we see a, a figure kind of creeping in the bushes. We see the shoes. Yes. And we see the shoes those, of her lover. The telltale white top shoes. But it's not who you guys think it is. It's not Patrick. It's not some dude. It's George. And he creeps his way in wearing those shoes. And he creeps his way into the cabin and is surprised. Uh, I think everybody involved is surprised. Just to find the other person in that space. But Polly wakes up and is like, what the fuck is going on here? She screams. And he is uh, rather startled as well. And he, the reason he was there was to tie up loose ends, so to speak. So we later learn, like, he's going to kill his wife, basically, because she tried to kill him. It's a pretty simple one-to-one mm. thing that we have working here. Polly is just done with this. We are too deep into my honeymoon and your murders for my liking, is what she is telling uh, Inspector Starkey. Uh, of course, Ray comes in and was like, well, honey, I love you. I respect you. I have recently married you. You are the best of the two of us. But you know what? I think it was probably just a nightmare. I think you're just making things up. You're stressed out, honey. You're even though this you is are when he force feeds her a glass of water. Yes, exactly. yes. Get your shit together, woman. Because he's just an asshole, right? It's just mm-hmm. terrible behavior. This this is traditional. This is uh of the times, we will say. But you know what? I'm sure this is happening also today. Now that 
the Ketterings are back. They're like, well, we want to go to the falls with you. So we go back to the goddamn falls and we're going to the cave of the winds, right? And we see this is the rickety structure that was built in, depending on who you believe, 1885 or 1881. And it's, again, incredible sound design of just the waterfalls for the most part. And it's really impressive. And so they go into this special cave. Well, Mr. Kettering does. And uh, Ray does as well. Uh, Mrs. Kettering decides to go get herself a drink and a smoke somewhere else. She's like, it's just too wet down here waterfall and so polly is left behind a little bit to just hang out outside of the cave and as she does who should emerge from the mists but george loomis the ghost of george loomis in the flesh and rain slicker wearing a slicker of course always change your clothes into your slicker before you go down to the falls guys and so she makes to get away from him, thinking that he's crazy, which, he, I mean, he has, he has killed a man, of course, and then broken into her cabin. And in the process of, of trying to flee his clutches, she almost topples right over that banister. Like The banister collapses on this rickety uh, bridge network here, and she almost falls to her doom. But he comes up and saves her. And she is almost grateful for it, but he it doesn't change his creep factor for her. Uh, but he does explain to her when she's like, well, what the fuck? You're supposed to be dead. That he end up getting the better in the, in the conflict. And, and so Patrick is dead and, uh, and he would, he would now like to remain dead now that the world thinks he's dead because it will give him a fresh start. So he's got to go just murder the wife real quick. And then he can, just pull himself a, a, a Donnie Draper and just uh, start over again, you know? We then go back to the hospital because also at this time, we forgot a plot point. I'm loath to bring it up because this is running long, but let's just, you know, when you, you hear the bells play the kiss song in the tower, that means something. So uh, Marilyn slash Rose heard kiss being played in the tower. And so she, that she assumed that the murder went off without a hitch and so now that she is uh, reclining in her drugged out stupor in the hospital, which, by the way, uh, ashtray, hospital ashtray, and, and the uh, the plastic box purse as well for all to see. Not an ashtray, but could be used as one. I think this is, it's like this kidney-shaped metal dish that holds the medical instruments, I'm guessing. Yes. Like, do we, does it have a Swabs name? Swabs and things. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think it's like kidney dish oh okay great great i have no idea. nailed it in one i I think that's fact now if we can two of us can agree on that great Mm -hmm. anyway uh we see we see george uh drop his little request off at the bell tower and so the bell tower is just playing kiss round the clock right it's uh it's just like the heyday of prince in the mid 1980s right just kiss around the clock she hears this music even through her drugged out stupor, which later they're just like, I mean, she must have been really upset to have emerged from the coma we have lovingly placed her into. So that means something. So she's losing it. Uh, okay. So they return back to Rainbow Cabins, all roads lead back to Rainbow Cabins. Not a real place, apparently. And the Ketterings are, are very excited to take them out fishing early the next morning. 
And so we've got that all lined up. And then they go into cabin B. Uh, another stranger is there. Uh, kind of a pseudo stranger. But it's, uh, again, Inspector Starkey is here for more questions. But Ray has had it up to here with this uh, murder mental health issue on his honeymoon. And he just says, no, we will not be part of this. Get the fuck out of here. And Starkey, to his credit, is like, uh, gotcha. And he does scooch right on out of there. The next morning, cutlers go off of the Kettering. They get into this beautiful fishing boat. Meanwhile, Rose is trying to get the fuck out of Canada because she knows she has seen the body of her lover. She has heard the tintinabulation of the bells playing her special song, which is now a taunting song. And she knows that her husband is still around lurking, trying to get her. So she's got to jump the border and just she needs to start over as well. So she tries by car, but there's a big old lineup, a very friendly and helpful taxi driver who I hope she gave a tip to. I did not see that happen, though. He's like, well, you could try the sidewalk. You could walk across the border. And so she goes over there and she tries that. But who's on that very sidewalk? But George Loomis, he is waiting for her. So she is trying to escape. He chases her up the bell tower. He strangles her up there and she dies. And he has almost committed a great crime, but he gets locked in mm. by somebody. And now we come around to another one of our special features, which is the representation watch. Because we have uh, a very industrious, well-employed African-Canadian man, because this is still the Canadian side of things. So he's African-Canadian who has taken down the flag from the top of the tower and he leaves. We're done for the day. Business is closed at the bell tower. So he locks the door behind him. And so... Uh, George is stuck inside with the body. He hangs out all night and he is poised to get out of there. Uh, the, the next morning, the very same man. What kind of hours is this man working, by the way? This is this is back to back. This is his open close shift. This is nonsense. Of course, taking out people's garbage because he is a minority in the 1950s. And uh, garbage back then, by the way, we've seen some garbage cans in this film and all garbage in 1953 was just crumpled up newspaper. It's just that's all that we were uh, discarding at that point. Everything else was kept and reused, presumably. Anyway, he unlocks the door. Uh, George escapes, leaving the body up at the top of the tower. He is on the run now because he's got to get 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 out of Dodge. He has lost, you know, presumably seven or eight hours of good getaway time just hanging out with the body. So he's on the run, and he ends up encountering the fishing boat, the Ketterings fishing boat. The Ketterings have stopped with the Cutlers to go. You know, get some snacks and some gas and some bait and some beer and all this stuff. And so they're away and they've left the boat with a, a gentleman who had one job, which is, hey, just watch the boat. Make sure nobody steals it. Yeah, because he, he's facing the same problem. They, they've put a description out on him. Yes. Because they actually believe, um, I've forgotten her name. Rose. No. Polly. Yes. Yes. The the husband is still alive, George. Yes. 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 Mm -hmm. So they're actually they have his description out there, and he can't get across the border. Either. Right, he couldn't walk across the border or take a cab across yeah. or anything like that. So must steal a boat. Steals the Kettering's boat. Um, Polly has returned with her little case of beer. Uh, that was her job, and 
uh, I mean, it's just written in the stars for these two that they're going to cross paths again. So while George is on board this very lovely uh, mid-century fishing boat trying to bash the control panel in so he can hotwire it and get out of there, uh, Polly shows up. And now all of a sudden we're in this together, guys, We and we have to get out of here. So George uh, unmoors the boat and they set off towards the falls, of course. And meanwhile, Mr. Boat Watcher, you have one job. Just watch the boat, dude. Fails miserably, calls the police, Starkey's on it. But also, the United States River Patrol is on the case. There's the boat floating off. Just a, it's a lovely little boat. And these are beautiful waters. And this would be a nice day trip if it weren't for all the murder, you guys. This is Morris. Or if you prefer, Morris. And this is the U.S. River Patrolman who is communicating with Starkey via this incredible U.S. River Patrol radio phone unit. Uh, apparently the Corsair 2, it looks like. And it is just a spectacular combination of mid-century design combined with a little like deco flare or something like this. But I love this radio. Hint, hint for things to come, mm-hmm. okay? Keep mm-hmm. your goddamn hands off it. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, we get a lot of uh, back and forth as the River Patrol pursues the boat. And this is, uh, again, now we're in the last 10, 15 minutes of this movie, which is a lot of boat. Uh, I think we can all agree. Again, it's, it's the sound of the falls. So because Polly saved the cat, by which I mean put Mercurochrome on his broken hand, we feel for her as an audience uh, and also, George has a connection with her, too. So he doesn't want to destroy this person who did nice things for him, reached out to him, listened to him, and is not really involved in his drama. So while the boat sort of uh, runs out of gas and ends up floating perilously towards the end of the falls, the yeah, falls part of the waterfalls. Caught in the current. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they're being swept away and he cannot fight it because they are out of gas. And he does have this kind of like funny meltdown moment of like, well, they got to have extra gas on the boat, right? And it's like, well, no, not really. I mean, we don't drive around with extra tanks of gas. Maybe we should, but I think most of us do not. And so before they reach the end of the falls, the big drop, they are stopped by a large outcropping, rocky outcropping. And at this moment, George is able to sort of like toss Polly onto this rock and she's holding on for dear life. But at least she's away from the drop, which will be coming very soon. Cue up the old U.S. Coast Guard helicopters, of course. We get a big old yellow chopper dropping some kind of like lounge chair down for Polly to sit on and escape. And But poor George Loomis, though. <laughs> he doesn't make it. And this is the very thing. I believe. I can't prove it. We'll ask her. But this is what I think Brindis was afraid of. When we said, like, let's go on a boat at the fall. I think she thought this is what was going to happen. But you're at the bottom. Well, You're not uh, at the top. It's a, it's a very you, emotional you're, you're time. You know, it's a lot of... At I, the bottom. I, or maybe she was afraid that this would land on the Maid of the Mist as it's cruising maybe, or something yeah, like this. Yeah, someone in the barrel or something would so, come over. She didn't want to be a part of this was the impression that I was left with. Right. So, you know, we, we did not do anything like this. We did not go on a boat over... The falls. Or near the falls. We walked next to the falls. We we walked on the walkway across the very long distance from the falls. We saw them. There are photos. This boat, by the way, this uh, 
this comp uh, boat cut out. It's too big. The scale is wrong, but whatever, <laughs> yeah. we'll allow it. And yeah, Polly gets dropped off in the, the end. Uh, that's it. it ends like this that, is it. Yeah. This is Niagara. This has been Niagara. We made it, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> kind of abrupt ending after all that boat talk. I get it, but uh, that's it. That's all we need to know. The right people who need to die are dead and, uh, you know, up for debate, of course. But as far as the movie goes, this is the end. So... There it is. Niagara. An exciting honeymoon. Done. Yeah, right? Unforgettable. Right? A murder mystery honeymoon. Yeah, wasn't there a crack right at the end where it was like, oh, well, you've probably had enough of the fools for now. Oh, yes. Well, please don't. Stop that coming back to you. First, you know, you're coming Stormy, back here. You old dog, you. He knows. He knows. Yeah. So, all right, guys, we're at the end of our journey. Let's do the business. Catherine Sherlock. Mm -hmm. 1953's Niagara. Do we keep watching this thing? Yeah. I mean, it looks good, but I I don't want to see it again. No. Okay. What's but the that, that, does, that doesn't mean to say that like other people shouldn't see it. On balance, maybe a yes. Yeah, she's really thinking about this. Maybe a yes. Okay. Schwishman Ike. 1953's Marilyn Monroe's Joseph Cotton's Gene Peters uh, Niagara. Do we keep watching this? I keep I'm I'm consistently torn because they're not bad movies. Mm -hmm. um, I watched this one all the way through. Um, hey. <laughs> cool. So I think just for that, and I'm I'm a, I'm very pro Niagara Falls. Okay. Um, so let's say we'll keep this one. Is it on your bucket list? You got to get there, right? It is. Especially because, now. Well, when we were growing up, it was like the one symbol of America. Like, you know, there's a Statue of Liberty. There was Niagara Falls. Sure, so yeah, So we yeah. have to visit those places. So, yeah. Um, yeah, okay. We can keep this one. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Awesome. It was not, you know, ostentatious in any way. It was okay. okay. It was entertaining okay. at some points. Okay. Love to hear it. Carolyn Nowrosa. What do you think? Do I'm going to keep it. You want to keep it? Okay. I'm going to keep it. Uh, any yeah, because, you know, it was it was a pretty quick watch. Um, I liked the look and the feel. I liked having Marilyn Monroe play the baddie. Mm -hmm, that was kind of mm -hmm, good. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's a yes from you. Yeah, I'm keeping it. I'd watch it again. And it is also a yes for me. I had never seen this film before this week. I love it. This is great. Mid-century up north slash mid-century vacation is really my jam, um, as evidenced by the near three-hour long cut of Man's Favorite Sport. I mean, I like the aesthetic of being on vacation in the 1950s. Call me crazy. I don't know what the deal is. But I think this is a beautiful-looking film. Yeah, it's a lot of Niagara Falls, but I enjoy at least the women uh, and their performances. The guys are... Pretty loathsome and unlikable. That's a minus. But uh, the ladies are great. And I like the murdery aspects. And this movie is one hour and 28 minutes long. Here's what I would like. Quick watch. I would like it to be one hour and 25 minutes long. I think if we tighten up the ending, the ending on the river, I feel, is the loosest part. It's a lot of uh, the... Nearest comparison I can think of is the Dr. No, like parking lot walking. It's a lot of like from here to there stuff. We're just like, yeah, just cut that. I get it. He's on the boat. All right. Like, okay. They hotwired the boat. The boat moves now. Okay. They're out of get, you know, like we don't, I don't need to see every step of the process. <coughs> so 
that's my only ding for it. But uh, by and large, I think it's great. I get it. I get that it's classic status and I would very much recommend it. And so concludes Niagara. Well done, everybody. Good job. Nicely done. Let's talk about week two of the Noirs of March. Is this uh, working at all? Yeah. Okay. We'll make it work. I just want to, uh, the more I say it, the more I like it. <laughs> As but it should be, Justin. Is that a shared sentiment? Yes. Mm, could be. It's uh, it's growing on us. So, well, th- I appreciate you saying that. I don't know if I believe you, but. So, this was 1953. I've said it a million times. Next week, 1954, the movie is called. Your Mama's House. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Black Widow. Oh. Black Widow. Ring a bell for anybody? No. Nope. What about this summary? A young writer insinuates herself into the life of a Broadway producer. Oh. Curious. Starring Ginger Rogers, Van Heflin, oh. and Gene Tierney. Leave her to heaven's oh, Gene Tierney. Yeah. Damn. What's... Okay. So, Leave her to heaven was 45... This is nine years later. We get a nine years older Gene Tierney. Looking forward to that. I'll give you the information on where you find that thing in a couple of seconds. But until then, Catherine Sherlock, thank you so much for inviting us into your house. That's uh, perfectly And fine. showing up at your own house. Yes. Solon, you have gone to catnap land. It seems like just very reclined right now. It's, it is Friday night. Yeah. I get it. Nice to see you as well. Thank you for your input. Shrishma Nike, thank yes. you as ever for your input too. Welcome. And watching the whole movie. Look at right. you. It's crazy. And Carolyn Arrows, across the ocean. It's such a long way for you to travel, but you do it every week and we love you for it. Thank you so much. And I will now throw it to myself in the future. Take it away, fella. Thank you, past self. Here I am in the future as promised. Uh, yet again, talking to myself. Wow, what an episode, what a very thorough <laughs> autopsy of the entire Niagara Falls region. Boy, we really got into the the weeds on this one, or shall I say the reeds on this one? Is that more water-based? It's got to be, right? Doesn't matter. Uh, if you do have an opinion one way or another, of course we want to hear from you. I mean, you can reach out to us at our socials, I, mostly the Instagram, that's the one that matters. Uh, and also, please email us, partyline at oldmovietimemachine.com if you have questions, comments, concerns, uh, soup recipes. We'd love to hear whatever you got. Send it our way. Now, as promised, next week will be 1954's Black Widow. Now, lucky us, this is available in several locations. If you do look this up on some of these sites that will tell you where to find them, they will say that this movie came out in 1955. I had a brief panic attack when I saw that because I just made great hay about how we're going to do this in sequential order, year by year, all this shit. Uh, So don't believe it. I did double check. Black Widow came out in fucking October of 1954. So eat shit, other website. Anyway, if you want to watch this movie, you can find it at the following locations. Pencils ready. Here we go. Apple TV, Google Play, YouTube, Vudu, Microsoft. Uh, I guess that's the Microsoft store, not just Microsoft, the company. Don't call them asking for Black Widow. Redbox, DirecTV, and also 
last but certainly not least, Amazon. So go check it out, Black Widow. Uh, the noirs of March continue, and we are all looking forward to it. So we'll see you back here next Wednesday for Black Widow. And until next time, please don't forget that this has been Old Movie Time Machine.